I sure do. Who the hell would give these three goons their own show? Welcome to Puck Puck Pass, a belly up sports podcast committed to keeping you informed on the latest news and trends in hockey. So pick up your teeth, grab a brew, and don't be a hoser. Here are your hosts, whose names sound like something I'd call my dog, Zach Mac, Yake, and KJ. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Puck Puck Pass podcast presented by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm KJ, joined by Zach Mac and Yake. Fellas, how are you doing this evening? Doing real well, guys. What's up? Not bad, boys. How are you guys? Fantastic every time I'm here with you. Unfortunately, not the same room, but we get away with it. Big, big news all across the league, but let's get started with the most important news. Let's just jump right into it. Seattle, the Kraken, hopefully. What do we think? Seattle's getting a new (laughs) franchise. They will be the 32nd franchise in the nhl just a couple years after vegas came into the league obviously early success with them uh plenty of expansion teams across the nhl uh what sort of direction do you see seattle heading yake uh uh, i mean i think i think it's good for the the game just alone with the fact that it's going to finally even up all the leagues i think that you you look at the fact that now all yeah yeah yeah, yeah, i was gonna say the, the divisions all have eight teams now um both conferences are going to be sitting with 16 teams. It's all pretty much evened up. Uh, the Coyotes are obviously moving over to the Central now, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about that there. Uh, but I think Seattle's a good city to have for hockey. They, they've been itching ever since the Supersonics left. They want another team. I mean, they always put together a good soccer crowd, and, and you know, soccer's not huge, so the fact that they can get a good crowd for that obviously shows that the city is ready for another major sports team. Yeah, I think, I mean, the biggest thing for me was the evening up the divisions as well. Um, but secondary to that, um, like Yake mentioned, ever since the Supersonics left, I mean, they've got no NBA team there. So I think it'll be good for this to kind of dominate that season, the uh, the winter season. Um, and I think that's something that'll um, re- really uh, spark that market. So you both kind of said the same thing, uh, talking about the Supersonics. And I've always wondered, and I'm sure there's data out there for it, but, you know, I live currently in a city with a basketball and a hockey team. I'm from multiple cities with a basketball and a hockey team. Uh, Zach, you're closer to Nashville without, you know, you live in Memphis with a hockey team, but you're close to Nashville without a basketball team. What, like, is there a dynamic there that changes or is, does one benefit from the other? I mean, it's because, I mean, in Memphis, there's obviously we got the Grizzlies, um, but there's no hockey team. Um, and then over in Nashville, there's a hockey team and there's no, uh, no basketball team. So, um, Living here, it's definitely different. Um, everyone's all in on basketball, and you really don't even see like Titans fans in Memphis. So it's kind of like when that's the only thing you've got, you kind of forget about everything else, even if it is in your state, um, or at least from what I've noticed. And I haven't lived in Nashville, so I don't know what the hockey versus basketball fandom is there. But I would be willing to bet that there's more hockey fans than there are basketball fans. That yeah, I can see that. And I I mean, I can tell you. Just from a few trips there, Pittsburgh does not give a damn about the NBA, but they're rabid MLB, NFL, NHL fans like all across the board. They're crazy for their team, not to say other cities aren't, but I think you're right. When when you don't have the one sport, you really don't care about it. Does anybody really care about the NBA, though? Oh, man, Uh, there's going to be a few crossover listeners that are in your inbox for that now. (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, hey, I'll, I'll gladly defend. But that I one. think, uh, you know, other sports aside, and what will help uh, 
Seattle, insert name here, benefit in the future, is they have been wanting for this for a while. Every, even when the Vegas stuff was going on and we thought Houston was maybe getting a relocated team, it was, you know, Seattle's name was brought up time and time again. And I know Quebec City is super bummed about this, but this makes the most sense. It's a very active city, decent population as far as market. Um, but we saw, I mean, the 12th man basically drove the Seahawks to a Super Bowl and then back to another one, which they lost. But the fans are there and they're going to get the support. But is it is it the same type of support? Like Vegas is still filling out arenas. You know, it wasn't like that early first season bump. So what do you think from the fan, other than wanting the team, what can we expect from the fans early on in the Seattle uh, days? I mean, I think I think what Seattle is going to be able to provide is just the fact that they've been wanting a hockey team. They've been they've been wanting another team in the area. And like you said, it's a, it's a well-populated city. So I think I think it's going to go right away. And I was surprised that Vegas was able to put the crowds together they were having. I will not be surprised at all if Seattle just sells out every single game before the season's even close to coming around. And I, I think that I think you're going to be able to look and ownership's going to be able to to market it well for Seattle. I mean, you got Portland that's not far away. I'm sure you'll have people coming there. I'm sure you got Canadian fans that don't want to root for Vancouver just because they're awful. So I, I, I think Seattle's <laughs> going to be able to draw some people in from around the area. And I I mean, Washington's a great hockey state. There's no doubt about it. It's always cold up there. It's always wet, either raining or snowing. So I think you're going to be able to look at something and be able to – Seattle's going to be able to put together a franchise that everyone's going to be like, well, why the hell was there not a team in Seattle way before this? I think if you, if you also look at, um, like, Western road trips, I mean, if – I don't have, like, the back-to-back stats in front of me, but <clears throat> if you're doing a back-to-back that includes Vancouver – you've got to travel down to San Jose or over to Calgary or Edmonton. Um, and now it's just a little bit closer. And I think that'll, that'll uh, ease a little bit on, on road trips. The the thing that we're, we're really missing is now we can have a full 16 game slate because the, the way the NHL has been the last year and a half or season and a half is, you know, it's a full slate tonight, 15 games. And you've got like Arizona just sitting and waiting for, to meet up with someone on a back-to-back like this way if you have a full slate you're not going to get that team the one team that that's not going on back-to-back so the evening out is is a great part of it so you you look at Seattle and you can only imagine they're going to try to uh be the reincarnation of what Vegas did to to begin and one of the things that Vegas did and did really well for a long time before it kind of got on a hand and almost like cliche is and they made fun of all the Boston Bruins by calling them girls but they they did social media so well and Zach you brought up players social media presence but I think the teams kind of provide that that look into the locker room to coaches meetings to to all that stuff that's important to us maybe we think only the players can get it to us but do you see Seattle kind of taking that social media mold and really trying to be the team that everyone kind of goes not goes after but um kind of glides towards when it comes to fandom and and being new to the game with a new team i i think if they're smart they'll try to hit it hit the ground running as far as social media goes um the thing i always look at is um i know i know yake doesn't like it but the nba they got their players got so involved in 
social media. I can't remember how many seasons ago. I don't pay attention. But didn't they ask them to, to calm it. it down though? Like, wasn't didn't it get out of hand? They might have. I, I mean, either way, if, if they did, it's still it's still fans getting involved and um, keeping an eye out on it. And I I think that just with social media just get it growing and growing every year. I think that's a big avenue for teams to get fans, especially when you're talking about a new team. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot to be gained there, uh, possibly even more to lose when you think about you know, all you got to do is piss off one fan base. And, and then it turns into people starting to see more and more. And then it's the fans at the arena that suffer just because, you know, the Kings fans don't like the Seattle fans, whatever it is. So I think if they, they hit the ground running, like you said, Zach, but they also they find that middle ground of not insulting the other team's players like Vegas did, lighthearted or not, it struck people the wrong way, and also not basking in your own success as much as they did in, in really being more appreciative, which I think the fans were, but I think their Twitter account kind of blew it out of proportion. So I think that's a big part of, especially what you brought up, Zach, is is having that that social media presence. I think that's all it has to be is a presence. I love what Vegas did. I, I think, I think that them getting the attention, whether it was good attention or bad attention, it getting the attention on themselves by calling out other teams. One, you have a new team in the league that is already, already has rivals. And, you know, like you said, you brought up Boston, they have a rival literally on the other side of the country that when those teams play people from Boston want to go to Vegas. And I think it's good now because, you know, Vegas started those rivalries. They started saying these things. They started getting the attention on themselves. So I think you can look at it and be like, yeah, I mean, Vegas kind of, they piss some people off, but, but I mean, it's hockey. You're going to piss some people off. So you might as well do it intentionally because the people that thought it was hilarious, absolutely love the people that were on the Vegas social media. And I think that, I mean, you look at the end of the Capitals series when it was it Washington that put the thing in the paper or was it uh, Vegas that put the thing in the paper? The the thank you yeah like the, the it was like the welcome I think it was Washington put it in for Vegas and kind of said you know welcome to the league you guys had a great year yada yada yeah yada. I think I think you're right yeah and I, and I mean obviously even with Vegas pissing people off the NHL respects Vegas as a team already for everything that they were able to accomplish and all the the marketing and social media they were able to get on themselves so what do you think happens with the expansion draft like. There was so much outcry, you know, nobody had Vegas making the playoffs and all of a sudden 25 games in the, the expansion draft was rigged and no, there's no reason they should be this good. Like the players were completely thrown to the wayside again, already guys that, I mean, listen, these, these are still NHL players. So it's not like they were all fourth liners, but they definitely weren't the cream of the crop. So when everyone thought they were going to be bad, the expansion draft rules were fine. And as soon as they're good, better than the Sabres, Coyotes, even Stars, Panthers, teams like that, then all of a sudden we have a problem with the expansion draft and the rules that were set up. Does Gary Bettman just say, hey, look at the success. Look what we did right off the bat and keep the rules, or does he change things to keep fans happy, which he's been known to do? The last report I saw said that it was going to be the same. Yeah, effect. I was going to say that was voted on by the Board of Governors that they're just going to keep the expansion rules the same. I can't wait. I don't I don't know that um I just it, I think what you saw with Vegas is that it's it's there's guys that maybe you know and they all felt like misfits cuz they were unprotected or whatever and 
I think what you find is that guys just don't flourish in one system and can flourish in another system. And I'm wondering if teams are going to keep a closer eye on what guys they're going to protect. I mean, the first thing I did, and this was the very first thing I did when I found out that they were approved and the the rules were going to be the same, is I went on to, uh, what, that cap friendly or whatever it is. I I got on there and checked which flyers were still going to have contracts there. And it's nobody I want to lose. So, I mean, I, I think a lot of teams already are like, you know, what contracts do we have that might have been a mistake going into the 21-22 season? And they're going to kind of already try to plan around. And, and you know, they might re-sign a guy that they, that is asking for more money. They're going to re-sign him now and be like, yeah, we'll give you those years because there's a good chance you get taken by Seattle. So I think it, it adds a different element into the offseason for the next couple of years. I, th- I think it also adds maybe a thought in some players' minds, maybe like an, an aging veteran. Uh, you know, if if there's a ch- possibility of me being an unrestricted free agent after Seattle comes into the league, think of the cap space. Think about how much money they could pay me. So maybe guys in this offseason just sign that bridge deal. Just get them to free agency in front of Seattle. And if Seattle's not willing to pay top dollar for a guy that could be the mentor or the leader or whatever you want in the locker room, well, they're still going to have their options. But, I mean, do you think we'll see guys sign maybe that after after watching what Vegas did, do you think guys will maybe sign a deal that just gets them the uh, unrestricted free agency before Seattle? I mean, I think the options there. I think guys are the guys are going to consider it, but – these these aging veterans that are kind of thinking about it to tell you the truth i don't think they care where they play except they all want to play for another cup and they want to make sure they have job security until they're ready to be done playing so i think if if they're given an option where they can get a contract done before that i think they're going to absolutely take it I'm, i want to keep my eye open for who who goes unprotected twice in a row that's another interesting thing there's somebody who went unprotected and went to vegas and is still there or has since gone to another team, go unprotected again, and do we have a batch, uh, even a small batch of double misfits? I have a feeling Riley Smith might be one of those. But no, I I get what you're saying. Like, there's actually there's going to be some guys who are like, wow, twice, like what? Either twice they got passed up by expansion teams, or or their team just didn't want them. And 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 I get that it's not about not wanting them because all these guys are on the roster for a reason. But I do think there are some guys on your team when you've got this expansion draft coming up that you start to think, all right, well, I'm glad we have that guy. So he's, you know, possibly taken up or something like that. So I, I get it. And there's a lot to to talk about with, with Seattle. And and we don't even know what to call them. So I guess now is as good a time as any. Do we all agree on Seattle Kraken? No. I mean, what do you guys think for the name? Like, I'm on board with Kraken because I can't think of anything better that isn't already taken. I, I think I think the top pick right now, and I think a lot of people are going to uh, kind of agree with it, is the Seattle Seals. Um, I just, to tell you the truth, I think that's the one that kind of makes the most sense. And, uh, you know, Seattle's a big fan of keeping a team name with the S, you know, the double S. They got the Seahawks, Supersonics, and, and I think the hockey team is the Sounders, if I remember correctly. So, like, I mean, the they, soccer team, yeah. Oh yeah, that, what, what did Sounders, I say? Yeah, you're right. The hockey team. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the the Sounders. I think Seattle's already looking for another S name, which you know I provided them with a few in my latest article. You know, self promotion, not a big deal. Go ahead and go check it out. Um, 
<laughs> but I, I think it's something that you can check out. And uh, I, I think they're going to look for another name with an S. And that that's just what the city has, has liked so far. So I expect them to do the same thing. I'm afraid that it'll go too in line with the California Golden Seals, um, especially with that color scheme that Seattle likes to keep. Um, that would be my only worry with going with this deal. Sockeyes is also – Yeah, I saw Sockeyes. Sockeyes. Yeah, I, I threw out the Seattle Snowflakes. <laughs> uh, here we go. I mean, there's there's a ton of options. If you want to keep it an S, I'm sure we could keep going with, with all the Seattle Sticks. They see, I mean, like stupid stuff, cartoony stuff. I mean, everything's going to be put out there. Um, I think it would be hilarious if Seattle went with like a, a, a gambling – uh, name now that now that betting's legal and they've got that partnership and everything and Vegas can do it they should they just go straight up with the Seattle poker okay. well that, like that. I was gonna say something similar to that with with people talking about hockey jerseys getting the uh like the advertisements already how do we know that you know Starbucks doesn't pay something Starbucks is huge over in Seattle and and we could have the Seattle Starbucks and they they literally get to design their own jersey and and that could be like a new thing that we're gonna be seeing in the NHL where you know, not only are they looking to get advertising on it, but these companies start investing in these teams and getting their name under a team. Yeah, and I'm really i I think we've talked about it before. I really don't have an issue with that. I mean, if you if it's more money for for hockey, I I just say go with it because there's so many little things that they do for money that are just a wild inconvenience, and I really don't think the advertising is the issue. But that's a topic for another day. All tied in with Seattle, who we love already, is another lovable team, but more in the lovable loser sense. Arizona is being kicked out of the uh, terrible Pacific Division, and they are moving to the daunting best division in hockey, the Western Conference Central Division. Do they have a chance in the next decade to compete with any of these top teams? I mean, the top teams. The top teams are the top teams in hockey. Yeah, I, th- I think, I think the the problem with that is saying they're not going to have a chance. Is their farm system's good? They have they have one of the top farm systems, you know, in the area. So I I think that I think that they have a chance. You know, move into this new division in the next few years, and they're already showing that they're a better team this year. Who knows what they're going to look like three years from now? And and they're they're making trades. They just had that big trade with the Blackhawks there. They're bringing guys in that are going to help the team. And and that being said, I don't think Arizona is going to be a top team in the NHL. So their best chance is, I think, a wild card or maybe that three seed in the Central. But uh, I think that Arizona is going to surprise some people when they get over to the Central and they're not going to be the bottom dweller that they were in the Pacific. Yeah, see, I don't – they've got to be hating that they're moving to that division. So Arizona moving over to the Central, like you said, toughest division. I almost cut you off, but then you mentioned next decade. I don't think that they will be able to compete in that division for the next decade. Um, I'm curious. They've got to be doing the most thinking going into this 2021 season as far as protecting players because they've got not only do they have to, you know, go through what everyone else does as far as the expansion draft, but they also have to worry about competing against a whole different group of hockey teams for their season and worrying about matchups in that regard. I just I, like my whole thing, and I I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean we've seen it. Old teams get old. It's in in the central we're watching it, uh, but we're also uh, what what Colorado's doing. We've talked about a million times. Nashville is kind of 
almost flying under the radar. It seems like they're still super like they're really good. Uh, and, and then you've got we, we never know what the stars are going to be. Winnipeg is arguably the best team in hockey. Like there's there's too much going on there. That's almost just beginning. So maybe as their farm system turns to veterans, then we start to see the progress the progression and everything like that. But I mean, if you're uh, Rutgers and you're finally starting to turn your team to team around and you've got a bet, you've got a better uh, group of underclassmen, you're not going to schedule the SEC West for the first six games of the season. Like you'll get crushed. So I think that's what sucks is they're finally starting to become at least a more respected team. And then in three years, they've just got, they've got to get pounded, you know, half their a quarter of their season. I, I like Arizona's team for some reason. I'm just, I think coyotes, the coyotes are a better team than what people give them credit for. And, and I'm sure it has a lot to do with how long they were at the bottom, but I think they're making the correct moves that, that they're going to be able to turn their team around. And I just, I honestly think you guys will be surprised that, that they're able to make a push, you know, before 2025 and, and, and get the playoffs. Does Rick Tockett make it behind the bench until this move over to the central? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I, I mean, I like their chances with him behind the bench more than I have uh, with any other coach you know, long before Gretzky was behind the bench. I mean, they've, they've had nothing going on back there. So if, if Tockett can keep the team grounded and also keep that modicum of success that they've had early in the season and keep it moving forward, then maybe you're right. But I definitely have to lean towards the fact that they get crushed year in, year out once they move over there. Yeah, I just think their offense needs to needs to step up. I mean, they're, they've won four in a row. So, I mean, they're playing good hockey. But if you look at, like, They've only scored 68 goals, and their goaltending is great. They've only allowed 67, so, I mean, they're still in the plus plus category there, but I just don't see them only allowing 67 goals to this point in the season if they're in that division. No, absolutely not. You're right on that. So, I mean, but, you know, things will change. Scoring will go up or down, or, you know, we'll see where we're at. But there's, you know, we're years away from this. We'll see who ends up in Arizona. We'll see what they do when they get over there. And we will obviously see what Seattle names their team. Hopefully the Kraken. I don't hate the Seals, though, now that you bring it up. Uh, but moving on to probably top story 1A is William Nylander. Finally signs his contract with Toronto. He waited out just to see that 69 on his contract. Six years, 6.9 AAV. What do we think? Good move for Nylander. Good move for the Leafs. Bad news for the rest of the league. I think it's all three. I think that Nylander literally showed how much he was in charge of this whole situation. Really? He waited. He waited until a half hour before the deadline. Called Toronto. And was like, okay, I'm ready to sign. Like he, he. I think he dictated this whole thing. And, and you know, it, he signed their contract six minutes before it was going to expire. And, and you know, he got exactly what he was, what he wanted. He got the years. He, he got everything that he wanted, and he waited for a half hour to call him. He literally was just like, all right, 4.30, what are you guys doing? I'm ready to sign. And and that's the kind of thing that he did. And and I think that I, – I think it would be bad for hockey if everyone started doing this, but I would not be surprised to see more young guys do this. I don't, I don't really understand the whole angle on it for Nylander. I mean, he's, he's young, and I know he's got um, a lot of hockey in front of him. He's trying to secure his money, but I just – I don't – 
do you guys do you guys know like what is what what he was trying to accomplish? Yeah. Was he just were they not wanting to well, pay him? Or? I mean, the big thing is 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 not only Matthews is going to get this monster deal. You assume Tavares just got his, and Marner has been playing out of his mind. It was almost like the fir- the longer Marner played well, and the longer Nylander held out, though the less I would say that they are inclined to pay him. But at the same time, you, you don't need a guy like that, but you love having a guy like that. I mean, he's the best player on a few teams. He's a top-line guy on most teams, uh, and he's someone Toronto is going to win a cup with. I think for him, it was making sure that he gets his money because everyone else is going to get theirs. He's not even making $7 million. It's not like this guy's even making Taves and Kane money. Like He's making okay money. Uh just for something like that. And as I say that, speaking of making money, Yake is getting out. He's got a he's got an emergency. We'll see you next week, Yake. Have a good one, boys. Sorry about that. Real life happens when we do stuff like this. But Zach, you know, as we're talking about it, you, you know, you you wonder what the true, true reason for the holdout was. And I think it was just make sure I get my money along with all these other guys who are helping me and I'm helping them. Yeah, I mean, and I under, I guess I understand that aspect of it. I, I he just must really want to be in Toronto. Then was he just not willing to take a cut and then go somewhere else? Or I, I mean, I would assume he wants to be in Toronto more than anywhere else. That's where you know he's been playing there. Probably the team with the brightest future. Y- you got to do what you got to do if he truly wants to win a cup. I think that's why he stayed. Because he probably could have gotten seven five from another team. Yeah, and it just I did I that, that's I guess he must yeah he must want to be there then because that that the six nine to seven five although six nine is a better number um it's <laughs> it's I just don't see that big of a difference unless you really want to be there you know yeah it, it, it's all about that and the guys who are going to benefit from this the most I think are the Leafs as a whole but also the young guys I mean Tavares is going to get his money anywhere he goes. But I think the least can kind of go to Marner and Matthews in particular and say, hey, you know, look at what we're paying Nylander in whether they want to spin his words or do whatever they want and say he's not even making seven because he wants to win a cup. And then Marner makes maybe Marner takes the exact same deal. So Matthews can get his 10 and they're still a cup contending team. Maybe they still Tavares. Maybe Freddie Anderson has gotten it all together, or they just go on sign defensemen, which they need more than anything. But cap space runs out when you're as talented as as Toronto is. And I think the biggest thing for Nylander is he'd rather go down with this ship than try to get a little bit more from one that's not really on the right pace. Yeah, I, that makes sense too. So Nylander, I mean, Nylander's signing was a huge deal. I think it's the bigger deal for the rest of that division because – as we talk about week in, week out, they are so good with Matthews. They were scary good without Matthews. And now that he's been, I mean, he's on a tear already in his time back. He scores an overtime winner against Buffalo in the annual, which player from these two classes is better. Matthews outdueled Eichel. Uh, and the Leafs are, they're just on a tear. I mean, is there anything about the Nylander signing outside of actually William Nylander that you can look at the Leafs and just say, ah, there's no way. No, what do you mean? No no way. Like there, there's, there's no way a team beats this team. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I I mean, I already thought without Nylander that they were the hardest team to match up with um, on a night-to-night basis. So this this adds to that. And I think um, I would agree. I, I saw some um, some takes out there, and I would agree. I think they've got the most dynamic top nine now um, with the addition of Nylander. So um, I just think that the, uh, the it just creates – the matchup issue is already hard enough for teams, and I think that the Nylander joined the team finally – is gonna is just gonna create more headaches. You see who he's making his debut against? Yeah, it's, uh, is that in Detroit? I think it is in Detroit. I yeah. think it. Yeah, I believe it is in Detroit, which will be fun for which is basically a fifty fifty split. I mean, when you for anyone who's never been to Detroit for a hockey game or Detroit Toronto hockey game in Detroit, it's half Toronto, half Detroit, and it's a ton of fun. Yeah, there's there's fans on, of each team in each city. And speaking of which, uh, Nylander, congratulations on securing the bag. Leafs, congratulations on the Stanley Cup. Um, but the fandom that you were just talking about is kind of something that we both go through, and it's something we want to touch on. Um, you are a Detroit fan from the South. I'm a Chicago fan from the Far East. Uh, it, it is difficult to kind of like walk around. And we're NHL fans above all else. Like I'll wear any team, basically. And I'll, I'll, I don't consider myself representing them. I'm just representing the league because I love hockey and I, I love all the gear that they that they put out because color schemes are cool and whatnot. But when it gets down to it, I'm a Chicago fan, I'm a Blackhawks fan, and I'm living in Philadelphia, which is the team they beat for the Stanley Cup. So it's not always great to walk around in that gear, especially in Philadelphia. For those of you that know, but but like Zach, what keeps you a Red Wings fan and not a Preds fan? I think it's just because, well, obviously it helps that I'm originally from, and you're originally from Chicago, correct? I'm originally from the area. Okay, yeah. so okay, yeah, so I'm, yeah, I'm not from Detroit, but I'm from the area. So I mean, just that growing up being that way has helped me. But um, also in in other sports, I've jumped ship. So um, staying a Red Wings fan, I think it's just it comes down to how dedicated um, I've been to the team for as long as I can remember. But the, the difficulty is, I mean, you know, it just you want to watch when there's big games on or, or um, high-pressure games on, you want to watch with, with people who are with you. And, and you kind of lose some of that when you, especially like where I'm at and there's no hockey team. So it's it's hard for me to even talk hockey in general to anybody. And I haven't really had that until I, since I moved down here until, until I jumped on this podcast with you guys. So um, obviously I appreciate that, but uh, it's, you lose some of that camaraderie that you you had with other fans when you were in that city or if you ever were, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean there's a there's a big difference between finding the Red Wings bar and going to a bar in Detroit where everyone's a right. Red Wings fan. Exactly. And, and that's one of the things that's been toughest um with my moves. And I've I've lived all over the place in uh you know, my wife's a big hockey fan. She's turned into a big hockey fan. By the way, I think we're writing a book, Puck Puck Passes, about how to get your significant other <laughs> to start watching hockey with you because we've all perfected it, and it's great. And, you know, the two things I love most in this world, my dog and hockey, and my wife can join us for a game once or twice. It really – it is cool that she loves te- uh, her own team, and it's not the Blackhawks just because I'm a Blackhawks fan. Uh, she's a Golden Knights fan, and that's something that happens. But you miss watching the game with your boys. And I have a lot of friends who are Red Wings fans. Uh, my roommate 
is a Capitals fan, but we can basically sit down and watch any game that's on and discuss it and, and have a conversation about two teams that maybe we don't care about, but you know, I've got the Jersey, he's got the beanie, something like that. It, but when it, like I said, when it comes down to it, it's, it's your team, but you don't get to see your fans all the time. Yeah. And, and when that's the situation, all you're stuck with is just trying to, because like you said, the, the love for the game and the love for the, the league in general, um, you're just left stuck trying to convert people. If you've got nobody, you're trying to convert people. And that's, I think the significant other comes into a big play there. If you've got nobody else that cares about hockey in your area, let alone the team that you're rooting for, you've got to get that person that's, that hopefully you're always with, um, to, to be on your side and to, to, to join in on that banter with you. And then, cause it's, that's just step one. Cause then you've got to, that's the easy, I mean, honestly, it's the easiest person to convert. Um, it's not easy in and of itself, but it's when you look at everyone, it's the easiest unless someone just randomly has a need to know hockey. Exactly. Like producer Brian. Um, <laughs> the, the, the big thing for the big thing for me is I'd rather watch hockey with a Philly fan than no one at all. Uh, and that that's definitely something you have to keep in your mind when you do move away from your city or, you know, I would love you know, speaking of Vegas, I would love to go to Vegas for a Knights Hawks game because I think that environment is cool. The Vegas fans seem awesome in your, it's like a destination wedding for your team. Yeah. And you, you get to see a totally different, I mean, we drove up, we went up to uh, the Prudential center in Jersey, like an hour and a half from my house. And it was uh, devil's abs for no reason. You know, we're not a fan of either team, but you're surrounded by 20,000 hockey fans. It's awesome. It's something you miss a lot when you move away from your city. And, you know, for people who are like, oh, you know, I don't really have a team. Maybe Seattle's my team. Do it. There's nothing wrong with being from Kentucky and being a Seattle fan or or, or anything like that. Or Tennessee, where, for those of you who don't remember, Nashville and Detroit were huge rivals for yeah. a really long time. So you're kind of in that situation, Zach, where it's like, oh, does anyone remember? Because I'm wearing my Red Wings jersey. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's a really good point too, because that's when you start diving into the rest of the league. Because I'll be honest, when I lived in Michigan, I, I was watching Wings games and only Wings games. And, but then I moved to, I lived in Chicago for a little bit, went to United Center. Then I moved to Atlanta and I started going to uh, Hurricanes games. And now I'm in Memphis and I'm going to Predators games. So it's, Plus, you don't have that local TV. So then you're starting to dive into other broadcasts and you're exploring other announcers and commentators. And it's it's it just opens up that ability to dive more into the league as opposed to your own team. I almost want to say that if I wasn't if I was a hometown fan of my hometown team, then I wouldn't have. And I don't, I, I'm not the most knowledgeable hockey person in the world. You can listen to one episode of this podcast and know that there's plenty I don't know. But I have been able to to pull together a lot of hockey knowledge over my years. And if I think if I lived in one city and watched one team, I would never have that. Right. And I, yeah. I think a lot of us can say that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's – and I think that's it, – it, it's part of growing um, – on the other hand, it's part of growing a strong fan base is you want – I mean, you just you want everyone to like your team and only your team, and they'll just go gung ho at your games all the time. 
And that's that part of it is good for the team. But as far as good for the league, like you said, especially when you got new teams coming in like Vegas and not Seattle, like they got to not only, I mean, going back to the easiest part, again, the easiest part is getting your hometown fans. So it's, it's getting those, those out of town fans that really increase your fan base. And I think that comes from, you know, people move in cities and what like you and I have and, and sticking to your team, but also having that league wide appreciation. Exactly. And for all the crap I give Red Wings fans, they seem to travel pretty well. Uh, and, and there's so many great, great fan bases out there. Uh, and for anybody, basically for anyone who lives in maybe a rival city, uh, any Habs fans live in Boston or vice versa, um, or if you live, you know, on the wrong side of New York and you're an Islanders fan, but you live in Manhattan, something like that. We're all over the place. You're always there in, in your town. There's someone who's just afraid to show that they're a Red Wings fan. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're a stars fan, but they're living in LA. something like that. Um, and it was just something, you know, that changes the way you watch hockey, but also gives you a huge appreciation for so many other things surrounding the game other than just what you're watching on the ice. I thought it was a really cool topic that you brought up, Zach. Um, and I'm bummed because Yake is also in Ohio. In Ohio. In? Ohio in. Nah, uh, I don't know. Bad. Let's just say. Buckeye. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he he's a huge Flyers fan, as, as he never ceases to talk about. So, you know, he's got a totally dip. But his reasoning is more to do with there wasn't a team in Ohio when he got there. Yeah. So, you know, there's so many different reasons for this and that. I, I think it's I think it's really cool. And I think, you know, I'd love to hear from fans who live in that rival town or, or anything like that or listeners who, you know, don't they go to games, but wear the home team's jersey because they don't they don't want any trouble. You probably live in Philly, actually, if that's your case. <laughs> that's also like that's also a thing with the, you talked about us writing a book about us converting a significant other, but. And you want to make as much of an impression on them with the team that you're a fan of, but also you get to see that dynamic of, okay, you're, you're, you're as green as can be coming into being a fan of this league. You know, who, who are you going to pick as a team? You know, you didn't, you didn't grow up dedicated to a team. And I think that's another interesting aspect of it. Yeah. You got to be fair with your assessment of things too, because imagine trying, imagine, Going up to a Flyers fan and being like, ah, or basically any fan at this point, but I'll say Flyers because this is my city. You say, you know, oh, I, I kind of like that Pittsburgh team. What's going on with them? You think you'd get a fair analysis of Sidney Crosby <laughs> or Malkin or any of those guys like that? That So you've got to keep an open mind and you want to, quote unquote, convert people. I mean, we had producer Brian at an Avalanche game the other day. Big baseball guy. But he was at an Avalanche game and – well, speaking of which, Sidney Crosby scored a hat trick in that game, but that was totally by accident. I really didn't mean to do that, but I mean, no, that's I'm going to insert myself into this podcast right now. <laughs> no, um, producer Brian, everyone, yeah, what's going on? No, I mean, yeah, Sydney came, you know, hat trick, and then of course we scored. The game was a lot closer. Let's see, last Wednesday night, it was a lot closer than the score indicated. Like last two goals were scored in the last minute when they pulled the goalie, and then they just kind of like, eh, we'll, we'll get them next week which they did. They, they beat us, I think last night or two nights ago, six to three. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, I, you brought it up. So I decided to, to jump in there. Yeah, No, no. It, it, but so you watch that game and you know, you live in, you're in the Colorado area or you live in Colorado. So 
you know, you're probably predispositioned to be an Avalanche fan, but you watch the way Pittsburgh played, and that that kind of gets that thought in your mind, like, look how good these guys are. And it's not like they're still the reigning cup champions, so maybe you don't have a full understanding of who the Penguins are. Well, it was, it's funny when I so I I grew up uh, north of Baltimore, but I rooted for the Penguins because you know, the Capitals were just kind of they weren't much, and you know I'm like eight or nine years old, so I'm going to pick the the team that's doing you know typical young bandwagon fan. So I'm going to own up to it. So I watched uh, you know Marlon Mew and Yamar Yager and the Ronnie Francis when they're out there, and so uh, phenomenal. And so obviously it's a completely different team now, but. Pittsburgh, they're they're struggling, but they're gonna be there at the end of the year. And you can see that they're just one a buddy of mine that was at the game was a Penguins fan. And as soon as that first, I think it was the end of the second period, as soon as that uh, power play went and they scored, and then they scored like nine seconds later, uh, he was he called it because it's just that type of team that just needs to click and then and then watch out. So yeah, that's that's perfect, and we love. You jumping into the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for producer Brian. <laughs> Appreciate it, guys. I'm not, I won't leave you guys alone. You guys are doing great. Appreciate it. Um, but no, I mean, when it's all said and done, you love your team no matter where you are in the country. And yeah, it provides, you know, my little brother lived in Michigan his entire life, but is really starting to come around to Philly sports because all his friends are Philly sports fans. So it's really one of those dynamics where you keep your team, you know, near your heart, true to your true to who you are, but you you you're not hurting anybody by watching this game or 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 liking that team for that matchup or anything like that. So I think I think like I said, it's a great topic. And it's definitely something, you know, anyone listening who's in the same situation, same living environment, whatever, let us know. We'd love to, you know, talk to you about that and really get that interaction going because that's you know that's what we're living literally every day yeah for real like hit us up on belly up nhl let us know what city you're living in and who you're a fan of and give us the uh the best part about it and the worst part about it and and, uh... and why you're wrong we'll also tell you why (laughs) um well real quick before we jump into our last topic of the day um this week in hockey kind of kind of picked up just before we uh we recorded uh this tonight on Wednesday, uh, last night in particular, Ryan Reeves drives right through Tom Wilson. It was late, probably not dirty. What'd you think about that? Yeah, I was, I'm actually curious what you think about it. Um, because I've seen some back, I've seen some people, you know, saying he was just bracing for impact. I've seen some people saying that he was obviously trying to run through Tom Wilson. Um, I'm assuming you saw the hit. I'm, I'm curious what you think. So big anti Tom Wilson guy. I think I've said it a few times, Man, did I feel bad for him last night. I really – so the thing with Tom Wilson is at least sometimes he tries to pretend that he didn't do what he just did. But Ryan Reeves, there's no doubt in my mind, was trying to hurt Tom Wilson. And I – public or Department of Player Safety has talked about intent in the past. I don't know what their rule about it is, but his intent was to hurt Tom Wilson. And I get it. No matter what Tom Wilson does for the rest of his career – Every time he gets hit and hit hard like he did last night, it's going to be one of those, oh, you play with fire and, and, and stuff like that. So I, I understand that people are always going to be on Tom Wilson's case. I think it was a BS hit for no other reason than you're trying to hurt the guy. You didn't even attempt to get out of the way and stop telling guys to play with their head up. No one deserves to take a blindside hit like that, no matter how they're playing. Tom Wilson's been on a tear since he got back. Uh, in in uh, Washington, and I I think 
I think Ryan Reeves should actually probably be fine, but it's clear now he's not going to be. Yeah, I'm 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 on the same side of the spectrum you are. Um, I I think it was very, I think the intent was very clear. I mean, the puck was already gone. Um, Wilson's just circling back, you know. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, he obviously didn't see Reeves coming, and and Reeves, it looked like to me extended into him. Um, I know some people are saying he's bracing for impact or whatever BS they got um, coming out of their mouth, but I, uh, I, I think the intent was very clear. I, I agree with you that I think he should be fined, um, at the very least, but like you said, I, it doesn't look like that's the direction it'll go. The the funny thing is, is like everyone always, you know, is up in arms about, you know, from, from Aaron Asham to Tom Wilson, you're always going to get the hometown fans who are, Oh, he was racing for impact. Oh, we didn't see him. Oh, we tried to light, let up whatever it is. And that's a home team just defending or home fans defending their team but to go on the other end and people who are aren't even knights fans they're just capitals haters they're they're using those excuses against them and that doesn't that doesn't make you smarter or more in tune with what public safety should be doing just makes you look like a dick tom wilson was really hurt on that play and he's really hurt a lot of guys but each and every one as fans we we owe it to them to show at least a little bit, maybe empathy is a strong word, but but not be laughing our asses off or yelling from the hilltops that he deserves it when he's asking the trainer what happened. Right, and I um, kind of what you said earlier, um, kind of bridging the previous topic with this one. You uh, mentioned to keep your biases aside as far as converting. So I did. I showed my girlfriend the the video. Obviously, she does. She knows nothing about. Tom Wilson and his reputation and the Capitals or Brian Reeves, his reputation or anything about the Knights. And her reaction was, well, how is that allowed? And obviously I'm, I've got to explain that's not allowed. He got kicked out of the game. Um, but I think when you look at that unbiased sort of perspective on it, it's, it's, you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head when you said people are coming up with these excuses because they're Capitals haters or they're, they don't like Tom Wilson. You're right. It doesn't make you sound smart. You've got to look at it as, put yourself in the shoes of player safety or the NHL player safety. And, and you've got to look at it as black and white. It was a dirty hit. He's not looking for the puck. He's not playing the puck. It's it. I, I just think it's very clear to me. And, and you, you just, you nailed it when you said those, those people just aren't, aren't looking at it in a philosophical. Yeah. They're not defending Ryan Reeves. They're glad Tom Wilson got hurt. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what I think is ridiculous. Um, it, Nothing's going to happen from that, but it's definitely worth keeping an eye on Reeves. Uh, I won't give you guys any more homework, though. You did great with Nylander watch. Uh, and finally, in this week in hockey, it'll bridge us into our last topic. Alex Ovechkin scored his 20th goal of the season. That is 14 consecutive seasons with 20-plus goals. I think he's now three off the record all-time, which he'll hit. I mean, the guy's going to score 20 goals in his sleep uh, for the rest of his days. But our final topic is Ovechkin-based. It is Patrick Laine-based. I'm not even going to word it funny. Who's the better goal scorer? Oh, man. It's so I, – I was actually doing a little bit of comparison today. Um, and I really just looked at this season. And Laine's got 21 goals on 105 shots. Ovechkin's got 20 goals on 103 shots. So, I mean, if you're trying to find a difference in them, it's it's going to be very, very difficult. Um as far as pure shooting, 
I think I got to lean with Line. I think Ovechkin's, he's figured out a system. He knows his spot. He knows where he can score from. Obviously, he's dynamic on the power play. Um, not to say Line isn't, but I just think that uh, Line, as far as pure shooting from anywhere in the offensive zone, I got to give it to him. I'm inclined to agree with you, basically because you said pure shooting. And when I think pure shooting, I don't, I don't think of probably the best snapshot, slap shot, whatever you want to call it, in NHL history is Alex Ovechkin. But the quick release, the toe drag and shoot, the laser wrist shot from literally sometimes just outside the blue line. Line A has a a much more vast repertoire of shots than Alex Ovechkin. I to the point though, I don't think Line A goes down statistically as the best goal scorer ever. I don't think hockey will evolve or devolve enough to let him score that many goals. But I do think Watching, if I had to watch one shot for the rest of my days, it'd be it'd be Patrick Lyons. I I think he is the more skilled goal scorer. Yeah, I would. As, yeah, I would agree as far as um like eventual career totals. Yake just wanted Yake just texted me to remind me that Gritty's a goal scorer as well. So apparently that's his that's his two cents. But oh, okay. So yeah, big big that, news there. Yeah. If we throw that in the conversation, Line A and Ovechkin are just just not even. Worth if Line it. A grows out that damn beard again, though, he'll look like Gritty. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it's it's one of the more exciting compare. It it's actually I think a better comparison than Ovi Crosby ever was, because they're just two totally different players, and it only took about forty games. Actually, before Line A even got injured his rookie season, he was in that realm of, wow, he really shoots like Ovi. Wow, he looks a lot like Ovi when he plays. And now it's basically who they're going to battle for the Richard. And I, I know there's going to be an Avalanche player in there as well, but you watch the two guys shoot almost in sync, you know, the way they shoot from the point, low slot, wherever it is. But I think when you're looking at wrist shots, snapshots, backhand, slap shots, anywhere on the ice, I think I think we're both on the right track. I Patrick Line, top to bottom, is just a little bit better than Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, and I, I mean, as far as the the career totals go, he's going to have to um, maintain the long, longevity that Ovechkin's got. Um, I luckily he's my, got the size to do that, though. Yeah, but to, to my knowledge, has I can't remember has Ovechkin ever missed like an extended period of time? Because I think that's going to be the biggest thing. Like, obviously, Ovechkin's already got a majority of his career behind him and line has got a majority of his in front of him. So that's the only variable that, I mean, is assuming he can keep up the scoring at the rate that he has um, being such a young age. uh, If he can maintain the longevity that Ovechkin has been able to have, I think he's got a shot at it. I mean, we've talked about uh, Ovi has missed. Due to injury, he has missed 21 games out of 1,028. Yes, yeah, that's just ridiculous. He's missed, he's missed four consecutive only once and never missed more than 10. Take out eight games for suspensions, and the Russian winger has sat out 21 games out of 1028, which is insane to me because he's such a big guy. He's a He can lay plenty of hits up and down the ice, 
in ever you know with Trotz really turning him into a more two-way player it's it is more surprising that he hasn't missed more games and Line's already missed like 13 or 14 from a concussion early on in his career so that might be the only determining factor because if it's just a race to to 894 I think the Gretzky's number is I still think Ovi obviously beats him there but I think Ovi is the only one who surpasses that mark. I mean, that's just yeah. insane production for too many years. Yeah, I'd be willing. I'd be willing to lay my chips on that bet. So I think now that we talk about Line A, arguably the most exciting player in hockey, is there anything we missed this week, Zach Mack? Um, nope. I, I, we did talk about um, a couple things. The Sabers streak that ended. They've now lost four in a row since that ten game win streak. Quick turnaround um, in Buffalo. What a shot! Yeah as well as we put everyone on Avalanche streak watch because they were, I believe, at five or six last week, and they did lose a game since, so they are not still carrying that streak. Wow, you are just – you're the jinx to end all jinxes. Where, <laughs> where are we at for streaks right now? Do you have it in front of you? Do we have any streaks? I do. I do. You know, I'm, I'm going to start bringing the um, the longest streak into every week um, so that people can keep an eye on it. we got the Leafs on a five-game win streak right now. That might never end, by the way. <laughs> We've got a couple teams at four, so they're a little bit behind. We got like the Jets, Ducks, and Knights all at four right now. Um, and then the Devils, who have lost six in a row. So those are our streaks. Oh, the Lightning have also won four in a row. But, wait, uh, the Coyotes. The coy- wait. Am I missing? Oh, the Coyotes. Okay. The Coyotes, not the Knights. Yep. Okay. Well, we're all good. Wow. Two Pacific teams. That's where I talk all that crap. Two Pacific <laughs> the four game win streaks. Well, keep an eye on ugh, Toronto again. It's just Toronto watch all season. Uh, Toronto is also still way up there in goal differential. I think they're the best, tied for the best uh, with Toronto. So keep an eye on those streaks. If you want to let us know which one's going to end next, as soon as you hear this episode, we will start you on a two-day belly-up puck picks streak. For Yake, for Zach Mack, for producer Brian, we love when he steps in. I am KJ. Thank you so much for listening to the Puck Puck Pass podcast. We'll see you next week. Stay fresh. God, I hate you. <laughs> this episode of Puck Puck Pass was brought to you by Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Follow your host on Twitter, Belly Up Yake, Belly Up underscore KJ, and Belly Up Zach Mack.